Sam Lane and Matt Williams Hitting the ground running, talking about America's pastime It's twice as nice It's the Turn 2 Podcast My oh my Put me in coach, I'm ready to play fantasy I know I turn two in a day, but the lace isn't hot in my veins. I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today and smash play. I'm prepared to listen. The X flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches. Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first, he can say I'm ready to go. <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third, cause I wanna win first. How am I to put all of these numbers to words? I know the terms from A to Z, it's like a gift and a curse. I know the difference between a splitter and a curb, but if I can't put it in the points, man, then what's it worth? I need the truth, I need knowledge. Found this podcast with all of it, but what they call it? Turn two, turn two, what it do? Win leagues, catch out. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Turn 2 Podcast, our first official podcast of the year. First baseman, we're going to get all the way into the first base rankings, our tiers, who we like, who you should avoid, and just go down the entire position, give you every single person, that what we think about them, and um, we're going to cover just about everyone that has any fantasy relevance. Are you psyched, Sam? I'm always psyched to talk baseball. I'm, I, I wish it was baseball season. It's supposed to be like negative fifty degrees in the Midwest. What is going on? Oh, we don't talk about that. We're, we're less than we're less than a month away. Uh, again, uh, I am your host, Matt Williams. Everyone, M A T T W I seven seven I A M S on Twitter at Matt Williams. Where can they find you on social media, Sam? I'm at FF Stompy. FF Stompy. What's up with the uh, the name? By the way, I've never really asked you why. Why are you FF Stompy? This might be the first time I'm going to tell it to the fantasy community. So. When I went to college, the the first friend I really met there, we were playing Halo in some guy's room, and I had a generic name, and it was Stompy, and then when we actually became friends, we realized both of our names were Sam, and he just nicknamed me Stompy, because that's how he was first introduced to me. <laughs> Random, but awesome. <laughs> yep, and just held on to it ever since. Uh, one of my first uh, random like uh, like America Online, you know the AOL names back in the day. I'm dating myself uh, here. <laughs> the uh, my my original screen name was Apoc. Then a bunch of numbers like 1542, and everyone was like always wondering, oh, is it Apocalypse? And no, Apoc. I saw the Matrix once, and he was like one of the random nothing characters in the movie and they, they say APOC. I'm like, that sounds pretty badass. And I use that. And anyone ever wants to know what that is? Yeah. It's a random character who gets killed very early in the movie, the matrix. And I think so, he has a man bun. <laughs> I think he may. All right. So first base, um, this is the position everyone drafts to get their masher. Typically, uh, everyone thinks, Oh, you can wait on first base there. You know, you can always, if you don't get one of the elite guys, there's like a million guys sitting around. You can hit 30 home runs. That is not the case. That is not the case. Everyone, uh, in, in 2017, uh, there was 12 first basemen that hit over 30 home runs, 12 in 2018. There was four. I mean, last year was a joke. Uh, in 2017, 18 first basemen hit over hit over 25 home runs. In 2018, only eight. So you probably had a couple of these guys on your team. 
A lot of guys got off to a really slow start. Some guys got on track, some guys didn't. But uh, you just, you have to look at these guys and these tiers and and how they're going to perform in reality, like as as um, compared to the other players. Because you can't get that throwaway guy that's just going to hit 30 home runs at the end of your draft. Yuli Gurriel is not going to hit you 30 home runs at the end of this draft. Carlos Santana, you know, has it in him, but he's probably not going to hit you just those easy 30 home runs. It's, it's just risky late. But we're going to start here early is just we're going to start right at the top who we consider the cream of the crop. We got uh, Joe. uh, We got uh, Paul Goldschmidt, Freddie Freeman, Anthony Rizzo. Let's say Cody Bellinger and Reese Hoskins. I would say that is the cream of the crop. Obviously, you could tear them off further if you want. Uh, Do you have any arguments there as far as those being the top guys? No, I think really the top three are the ones you're aiming for. You're a little bit lower on Rizzo than I am, even though Rizzo still had a decent year last season. I think he's just lumped in with Chris Bryant a little bit in his poor season. But yeah, I no arguments here. No, I, I like Rizzo. I mean, I, def, I have him behind Goldschmidt and Freeman. I do have Rizzo third, though. Um, let's just say, like, you can have any of these guys on your fantasy team. Who would you have? Like, like just whatever. Uh, you can have any of these guys you want in your lineup. Um, t- you know, ADP wise, you got to slot them in where they go. Who is the guy you are taking in first base? I mean, it, it's Paul Goldschmidt. Obviously, I just the guy has been raking for years now, and now he goes to probably a, a one of the better lineups he's ever been in in the Cardinals. There's no bias there, folks. Yes, I am a Cardinals fan. But probably one of the better lineups he's ever played in. And um, I just see him putting up another 30-plus home run, 100-plus RBI season. No, I kind of – I mean, I completely agree with you. Um, I mean, Goldschmidt and Freeman, we're using – when I'm talking about ADP, by the way, everyone, I'm using the NFBC. That is is where the, you know, the the serious fantasy baseball players not calling you not serious, everyone listening. But these are the – everyone who's, like, putting up their house and, like, you know, like uh, tons and tons of money to play fantasy baseball. The NFBC is where they play. So I I, – everyone there is playing seriously. No one's going to be like, oh, Aaron Judge is going to have a great year. I'm taking him number one overall. These are, like, pretty – uh, realistic ADP numbers. Uh, Goldschmidt and Freeman are going right around the same thing, around 2021. 20, and then uh, Rizzo's going at 35, Bellinger at 45. Um, and I believe Hoskins is right around there, around the 40 area. Uh, I, I do agree with you, though. Paul Goldschmidt, um, he's the guy for sure. Uh, after a slow start, I put that in quotation marks. You can't see yeah. me because I'm obviously, you know, in the radio. And, um, in the first half, he hit 281 with 21 home runs and 55 RBIs. Not exactly a slow start, but people were just like hammering away at this guy. Uh, he did hit 174 in May. 144. At which, 144. Oh, 144? Yeah. And at the, by the end of May, he had already tallied up 71 strikeouts. Um, so obviously there was red flags and everyone was really worried what's wrong with him. But again, the first half, 281, 21 home runs and 55 RBIs. He did finish the season first among first basemen in runs created plus at 145, first and weighted on base um, at 390, third in isolated power. And he was also third among first basemen in hard contact at 
Now, the one thing everyone came into the season was wondering about, everyone on the Diamondbacks, was how was the humidor going to affect everyone? The dreaded humidor. They were going to do things to the baseball, evil things to the baseball. Well, there, that definitely could have been an issue because in a any other season, Goldschmidt was pretty consistent when it came to his home and road splits. But last year, away, he had 339 with 21 home runs and 51 RBIs, a 300 ISO and a 26.6 home run to fly a ball rate. At home, he batted 238 with 12 home runs and 32 RBIs and a 182 ISO. I mean, that's, I mean, you could say coincidence. Maybe he's just uncomfortable at home, but either way, he's out of there. Um, and he has a new lineup in St. Louis. Well, I mean, what do you think of the change uh, as far as uh, just new lineup, new stadiums? Um, I'm actually looking up ballpark factors here real quick. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just off the top of my head, without even looking it up, I mean, yeah, you're not, you're the with the humidor apparently, you know, is going to turn Arizona a little bit of more of a pitcher park than a hitter park. Uh, San Francisco always a always a pitcher's park. Yeah. San Diego always a pitcher's park. Um, Dodgers typical pitcher's park. Obviously, you got Coors Field mixed in there, uh, which only plays some of your games at. But he comes over to St. Louis, which is a pretty fair park, <laughs> and then he gets to play in Cincinnati, Wrigley yep. Field, Milwaukee. Yeah, box. <laughs> I mean that's that's a nice move for him, especially if he didn't like oh, yeah. the humidor. Yeah, I mean you're looking at at least two top um, ten ballpark factors last season uh, in the in El Central, but like I said, I think one of the big changes is that he's probably going to be in a better lineup. So you have Matt Carpenter, who we'll talk about later, but that guy's always on base. We'll see who bats second. Um, Goldschmidt's probably third, but he's always he's gonna have a significant amount of at bats with a runner on, just because Carpenter's just got a three seventy plus OBP, and he's gonna get a lot of chances to get those RBIs. Um, so I, I just I feel like this is gonna be kind of an easy thirty one hundred um, season for him, with everything considered. Yeah, I I don't know. If I would say he's in a much better lineup than he was last year, um, but everyone, I mean, you know, they put in the humidor. He wasn't himself. Uh, Pollock was injured at times, obviously, as Pollock does. Um, but you know, he did have um, he did have uh, Kettle Marte had an okay had an okay year. Uh, what I'm thinking of David Peralta, yeah, Peralta. Um, Pollock, like they were they were okay at certain times. But yeah, I mean, Carpenter will probably. I don't know. Will he lead off for this team? Will it be Bader? Um, I'm not really sure what they're going to be doing with the outfield. DeJong will probably bat second. Goldschmidt third. Marcelo Zuna cleanup. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing right now. Carpenter, for some reason, he's just averse to batting anywhere but first in that lineup. So, But I I think you just – I, I think this is just going to be true for most lineups these days is you need that guy that's going to get on base – early and often mm-hmm. and Carpenter that's what he does what even it like what and like I said we'll talk about him later but he hit like 247 last season but he still had like a 374 OBP he's just he's an on-base machine and when yep. you have guys like Ozuna and Goldschmidt behind him I mean that's just I guess a recipe for more runs and and they've proven it um several times even when they haven't had a masher like uh Goldschmidt in the lineup. Yep. Um, 
And it's obvious Goldschmidt's not going to be stealing bases like he once did. This is why he's not a first-round pick or in consideration for a first-round pick because I think a full bounce back is in store. I mean, I think we're getting a Paul Goldschmidt offensive year minus the the typical bounty of stolen bases. And if he's going right now around 2021 for Freeman, looking at the way the rest of the first base are in the lineup, I have no issue even grabbing him a little early. I, I do like Goldschmidt more than everyone else to that degree, but I do think everyone's going fairly where they should. I think 2021 is probably where Goldschmidt and Freeman should be going, but I'd much rather have Goldschmidt than Freeman. But Freeman, Freddie Freeman, as we move into him, is very underrated. I mean, he is a star. He is about as consistent as you can get. He's just incredibly boring. He just, you know, that's that's his big issue with uh, he just has no publicist. <laughs> if he played in New York, this guy would be a monster. Um, he was third among first basemen in runs created plus at 137, second in weighted on base and six among first basemen in hard contact. But, I mean, this guy is just, I mean, it's kind of money in the bank. Like, there's just no worries here. You can take him safely. Like, he may not stand out in one area, but he's incredible at all areas. I mean, like you said, he's boring. I mean, he's kind of a run-of-the-mill superstar at first base, but you wouldn't know it based off of the publicity or lack thereof for him. Um but he's been a monster for the la- at least the last four seasons. And I think he's just going to be a reliable guy. I mean, much like uh, Paul Goldschmidt, you're going to expect, I mean, maybe not the 3,100, but you can probably still expect 2590 from Freddie Freeman this season. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, I think. 707 plate appearances last year. <laughs> yeah, Good I think. Board. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, I mean, yeah, he's not, he's not like going to, go insane in any particular category, but he's going to bat 300. He's going to get 25 to 30 home runs. He's going to get 90 to 100 RBIs. He's going to score between 90 and 100 runs. Um, and he's going to steal you a handful of bases. Mm-hmm. It, and the thing, the thing, the value here, it's a guarantee pretty much with barring fluke injury. Um, this guy is just going to give you those. So that's why he's worth every penny going around the 20 and um, he's just in a uh, in a game where so many people slumped last year. You know, Goldschmidt, Rizzo, Bellinger, Reese Hoskins, Carpenter, Votto. I mean, it, it name a first baseman. They struggled last year. Not Freddie Freeman. He he was fine. <laughs> so I mean, uh, that those two are are right at the top. I still would rather go Goldschmidt. Um, moving into Anthony Rizzo. Uh, what do you love so much about Anthony Rizzo? Um, I guess my thing is that he's just been steady, um, since, or for the last few years, uh, let's see, he's had 30, 25 or more home runs in since 2014, 23 or more since 2013. He's had 74 or more RBIs since 2013 or sorry, since 2014 last year. Yes. was a down year overall, but he still had a 287 bat pip. He still had a 359 woba. He still had a 125 uh, WRC plus. I, it just—he's a steady player. It's—I think that's the thing with these top end first basemen is they're just going—you can rely on their production. Yeah, I think Rizzo got off. He had a rough patch for a while there, and there's something that weird that happened last year for him. 
Um, typically for his career, you know, he, like everyone, everyone's better at home, pretty much. Most people are just more comfortable at home. Therefore they perform a better. There's some players that are just identical both. Um, but, uh, Rizzo last year was weird at home, 404 weighted on base, 156 weighted runs created plus 217 ISO, uh, well above average. Very good on the road, 317, um, Woba 95 weighted runs created and a 162 ISO. I mean, he was a completely different player on the road. Well below average major leaguer, actually. Um, that is not very good. Uh, for his career, he actually um, is usually okay. For for his career uh, in road games, 347 Woba, 117 runs created plus 216 ISO. So he he's usually pretty straight. But last year, for whatever reason, he just could not hit outside of Wrigley Field. Uh, I don't expect that to continue. There's no reason to expect that to continue. Everyone outside of uh, Javier Baez struggled a little bit, which is why they got rid of Chili Davis. I don't think he was the problem. Um, something weird was, I mean, obviously Chris Bryant was injured. Um, you know, expect him to bounce back too. I just expect all the Cubs to bounce back here. But yeah, the yep. Anthony Rizzo, where's he being drafted right now? Around 35. Yep. You can grab him 15 picks later than the other two. I'd consider him quite a safe pick as well. Yeah, I so Rizzo, he actually also, much like Goldschmidt, struggled early. He had a 149 average in April. Mm-hmm. And his first half versus second half splits, he hit a lot better in the second half. So I would expect, and and I, I I haven't really done a ton of research in home versus away, first versus second half, but I would expect him to continue that. But like I said, he's just he's a safe pick. He's just going to give you again like that twenty five plus home run, ninety plus RBI season. Um, just before we move on to the next few guys I have grouped together, Cody Bellinger and Reese Hoskins, personally, before we move on to there, I said, just a recap, Goldschmidt's my number one. I'm probably not going to be drafting Freeman and Rizzo, even though I consider them safe. Uh, Goldschmidt's going around right around Freeman, but I think Goldschmidt still has it in him to give you first round value. Who knows if the stolen bases come back a little bit. I love the lineup. I love the way he's, you know, he's, he's, he's going towards a free agency year. Everything is lining up for me to see a giant year out of Goldschmidt. So if I'm get if I'm going early, I'm going Goldschmidt. Otherwise, I'm passing up Freeman and Rizzo and taking my chances on one of Cody Bellinger or Hoskins. Um, they're very similar players. Obviously, Bellinger is more, you know, he gives you those stolen bases and batting average. Hoskins is going to give you more power in RBIs. Um, starting with Cody Bellinger, not the sophomore campaign everyone was hoping for after his fantastic rookie year. Uh, batted 245 with 93 Ks in the first half. He did hit 17 home runs, 236 ISO, which wasn't bad. In the second half, he hit 285, but his power suffered. Went down to 168 ISO. Um, the second half batting average is, is possibly due to an elevated BABIP, which is 356, uh, which is a little higher. So he just, in general, didn't have the year we were looking for. Uh, another weird thing along with him with Rizzo is he was a well below average player at home. Uh Last year at Dodger Stadium, a little bit of a pitcher's park, but still, uh, in his rookie campaign, he loved playing at home. On 2018, 303 Woba, 93, uh, 96 runs created plus, and a 178 ISO, all below average at Dodger Stadium. On the row, 385 Woba, star level 143, runs created plus, 235 ISO. So, why? 
Uh, why? Why is that? You know, I'm not sure. He's a fairly consistent performer, home and away in his rookie season. So I'm not sure what to go there. But again, in the end, in 2018, he still finished with 25 home runs, 76 RBIs, and 14 stolen bases, which is why he's sitting back up here. So, you know, call it a sophomore adjustment period, but if that's his adjustments period, it's still very valuable. So rather than, I think, go get Anthony or Freddie Freeman at 21 or Anthony Rizzo around 35, I'm going to wait another 10 picks grab someone, maybe grab a, an ace in that round um, and wait and get Cody Bellinger uh, 10 picks later. What do you think of Cody? Yeah, I agree. Um, he does play in Dodger Stadium, which could have something to do with it. Dodger Stadium is rel- known relatively as a pitcher's park, but then again, he also plays at Petco and um, just forgot San Francisco. Yeah. Does get to good course. <laughs> the uh, what do you think? We, they did revamp the lineup a little different. I mean, they actually they they cut. You know, they they got rid of Kemp. They got rid of Puig. They got rid of Grandal. Doesn't look like they're getting. Um, does not look like they're getting uh, Real Muto. Oddly enough, it looks like the Reds are trying to get her or the Padres. But you know, he could still end up in L.A. They did add AJ Pollock, which I don't know how you, how much you can really trust that i would say just with his injuries yeah i mean i wouldn't call him injury prone only because the injuries seem fluky to me i mean it's broken bones and a groin nothing seems uh related but you know i mean it is they always have the saying the the biggest predictor of future injury is past injuries and he has been injured Uh, justin turner's probably due for a big bounce back so i mean it's not a bad offensive team but you know i don't know I, i i i would take i would take a gamble I would wait out uh, and try to go after Cody Bellinger, mainly because I think Freeman and Rizzo, like you said, they're going to give you what they're going to give you. I don't expect anything more from them. I don't see like an MVP season really in them. Like, you know, Freddie Freeman showed that one year, like he could have been there. Like he, I don't, I can't remember what he was batting. He was just like almost, he was just going off the charts. But I think Cody Bellinger, as far as fantasy baseball, I should say, has a first round MVP type season in him. If he can get all of his ducks in a row, um, take a step forward, he gives you those stolen bases. I think like, you know, he could give you that giant season that uh, maybe Freeman and Rizzo can't from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, my fear, my fear, and I and you talked about it is that lineup. I just don't, I don't know what kind of protection he has, nor what kind of run production exists ahead of him. It's just that lineup has been revamped so much. I don't know where what he's kind of a question mark to me. But then again, he had a down season, and like you said, he produced fairly well despite that down season. So yeah, the, the could, line, yeah, good. No, so you, you, I mean, you could foreseeably see him do that again. And again, I, I think that's kind of a theme here is that a lot of these top end guys are reliable. They're not going to put up these gigantic numbers, but they're going to be reliable. And it seems like even though Bellinger had struggled, he had a decent season and you can rely on that. Yep. One uh, interesting thing that I should say why I love also chipping in, uh, waiting for Bellinger and Hoskins is they both will be first base and outfield eligible, which is something unique that obviously adds to their value. Um, We were talking a little bit about the Dodger lineup. It's not a bad lineup. Like it could be great, in fact, but everyone's a question mark, which is the problem. AJ Pollock will probably lead off. Batting second, Corey Seager, you know, could be a star. Had his own injury concerns. Batting third, Justin Turner, star injury concerns. Cody Bellinger cleaning up. Mac Muncy, or Max Muncy, you know, we'll talk about him in a little bit if you believe in him or not. Then you got Chris Taylor, Jock Peterson, Russell Martin. I mean, it could be very good, but, you know, 
things f- don't fall the way they, 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 you're hoping they, it could also go very bad. <laughs> um, all right, moving over to right down to Reese Hoskins. This is really, this is the last guy in the people I would be very happy getting. There's other people that we like, but these is like the, if I got one of these, I'd feel very comfortable. Reese Hoskins, just another one of those guys. If you own him last year, I mean, I've saw him cut in plenty of leagues. It was insane. Um, everyone thought, oh, this guy, you know, first year fluke, what a bum. And then the best thing that ever happened to him happened. I'm sure Hoskins didn't think it at the time, but he got his jaw broken. Um, he was just having the worst start of uh, of his year, and then he fouled a ball off his own face and broke it. And it gave him the time off he needed to get his shit together, uh, get his head right, and he came back and just destroyed folks. Um, tremendous power surge in the second half. 374 weighted on base with a 309 isolated power. He lowered his strikeout percentage from 25.1 to 19.7. Um, he only batted 237. I do want to make that a thing. I do not expect any batting average really out of Reese Hoskins. He's not going to really have that, but he did have a little bad luck in the BABIP department, 225. So it's not going to be bad as 237, but, you know, he's not going to be batting 300. Um, I would look for Hoskins to have the full 2018 that we hope for in 2017. Uh, But again, if it gets that part of the draft, he and Bellinger are a little bit of a coin flip for me. Both have that first base outfield eligibility. Um, They just uh, have a little bit of a different skill set. But I'm definitely happy to end up with either of these guys. Bellinger is going to cost you a lot more. He's a, uh, or no, no, they're going around the same, right? Right yeah. around the same. Yeah. 40, 45. They're going right around the same in drafts. Um, in terms of Hoskins, I just, I, I think I prefer him over Bellinger. And like, like you said, I think you're not going to go wrong with either one, but I mean, we, we talked about on our introductory podcast, the importance of, looking at narrative and looking at splits and, and the like. And if you look at Hoskins splits and, and it really has to, I mean, Matt already hit on it a little bit, but I mean, his hard hit percentage went up his home run per fly home run per fly ball rate went up. Um, his Woba went up, his um, runs created went up. Uh, he just, he had a phenomenal second half. And, and he had a terrible first half. And I, I think that's one of the things you need to, to really rely on is that we saw what kind of hitter he can be in the second half. And if he puts it together for a full season, he could end up being a maybe, I mean, I it's, it'll be hard to surpass those top three, but he could end up being the best first baseman this season. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think he definitely could outperform a guy like Rizzo. Because he has that kind of power. Like we were saying that there's not that many people that can really put up that large power from last year. Like I think Hoskins could put up Gallo power numbers, but without the stiflingly terrible batting average. Yep. Um, one and the, thing, I mean, his K rate's pretty low too, which is kind of yeah phenomenal. The one thing that people don't real, realize is, is a big factor here is Hoskins did not like playing outfield. You know, they had Santana. They brought in Santana for no reason. Um, and then, you know, they shipped him right out because they want Reese Hoskins to play first where he's comfortable. Don't underestimate how much that can affect a young player. Being in the outfield, he has to worry about that. You know, having, you know, when he screws up in the field or just different things he has to just worry about doing that he's not comfortable doing. He's going to be at first base this year all the time. 
He'll be very comfortable in the field. He won't have to think about it. When he is comfortable, you'd be shocked at how much that can affect a player. So, I mean, Hoskins, I'd look, I'd be very comfortable with just looking at his second half and being like, yep, that's what I'm getting. And maybe a little better. Um, so, love Reese Hoskins. So, that kind of does it for everyone me and you are fairly confident in. Yep. We're going into our pretty much the next tier of guys, which some people may disagree with because one guy we left out of the top tier that maybe some people don't is Matt Carpenter. Ugh. Arguably the best first baseman in baseball in 2018. And arguably had the worst first half of anyone in 2018. Oh my God, was he awful. But he ended up he ended up second among first basemen in run created plus. Uh, first in ISO, led first baseman hard contact, 49% hard contact. And he obviously has all the position eligibility in the world. Um, but you're a Cardinals fan. I mean, talk about him. Matt Carpenter, why do, and you don't like him. Why not? <laughs> that was that was a good way to start off that. Um, I shouldn't – I wouldn't say I don't like him. You hate I him. I don't. Yeah, I absolutely do. I don't trust him. He's basically coming off of a career year. So we talk about being um, second in uh, weighted runs created plus, uh, second in um, WOBA, or sorry, third in WOBA, first in ISO. But all of these things were career highs. He's 33 years old, mind you. He also had his best home run per fly ball ratio at 19.1. Um that uh, hard contact rate is 7% higher than his previous career best. I just, I don't know if I can really trust that, trust the season he had moving forward. I think he is a regret, big regression candidate, and he's going very early. Like, I believe he is fifth off the board, fifth um, first baseman off the board. And let me. Yeah, yeah, he's the fifth off the board. The only thing is, you're not really, I mean, yeah, he's coming off a career year. He was arguably the best first baseman in baseball, but you aren't mm-hmm. paying for that. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's coming off fifth. He's going about uh, 69th, 70th overall, but you're, you're getting him. You're getting him almost 35 picks after Anthony Rizzo when he just wiped the floor with Rizzo one year ago. So, I mean, the, the ADP is reflecting your concerns, still, but you're still not interested because I, I I mean I would argue you are getting a discount on someone who had a career year but as I mean as far as metrics go um everything kind of looks good I can't really find anything in his batted ball profile to suggest that he's in for any kind of a fall I mean his his home run to fly ball was a little elevated he's usually sitting between 13 and 15 he was sitting at 19 but Overall, yeah. I mean, he wasn't hitting any more. He wasn't uh, hitting any more fly balls than usual. Um, <laughs> he did. He was crushing the ball with that forty nine percent hard hit. I mean, I that don't know. ISO. I mean, that ISO was pretty huge this season too. So, um, I mean, I won't be taking him. I mean, I'll, I'll you know, I'm I'm here defending the guy. Yeah, I like value elsewhere. There's plenty of blind concern. I'll call it with this guy, but. I'll just say that if you look him up and you put him in this Cardinal lineup, it looks like a good spot. I mean, if for some reason I'm in a draft and everyone jumped on first baseman's first, like early, and and Carpenter's falling to me, I mean, I'm happy to scoop him up. But yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I was going to make an argument. Well, his numbers dropped across the board. Um, 
in uh, the second half versus the first half, but we're talking about uh, <laughs> we're just talking about like a three eighty something Woba versus a three sixty seven. So it's not <laughs> it's not like oh yeah, he just dropped off the face of the earth. But um, no, I get it. I, I just being 33 and having a career year like that. And and maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe he just will have the protection. I just, I wouldn't. And maybe, maybe it's not, maybe it's one of those temper expectations. I would not expect him to be, to do that again, but he's still a very productive first baseman or, or very productive uh, baseball player. And he will be probably again in 20, uh, 2019. Yeah, but I do agree with you. I mean, I, I don't think uh, I, you're paying for you are paying for a career year. In all likelihood, he's not going to outperform his ADP where you're getting him again. Uh, yeah, and I don't like paying for career year, guys. No one should. There's just tip number one if we're going to make a book of tips: do not pay for a career year. Which leads me to my next guy, who I love this year, and I don't know why more people aren't on board the Joey Votto train. The biggest disappointment probably of 2018. I think he's the steal of the draft, especially in points leagues. In points leagues, this guy is a juggernaut. I mean, despite a, again, quote, down year, uh, still finished fifth among first basemen in Rudd's Created Plus, 131, fifth in Woba. Only 12 home runs, though, and 67 RBIs, which was the big red flag to everyone. He had a really home run to fly ball rate does not apply to everyone. Like we said, some people have career averages that are just higher. Some have lower. Um, He had a 9.5 home run to fly ball in 2018. He in from 2015, 2016, 2017, he averaged 20.5. So if he just goes back to his, uh, is just his typical career average for himself, he's going to double his home run to fly ball ratio. And he's still a stud when it comes to on base. He gets his walks, 417 on base last year. Um, seventh among first basemen still in hard contact at 41%. I mean, 41% is not bad at all. So he was just unlucky in the home run department. 41% hard contact, still taking his walks, doing everything Joey Votto does. Uh, and they have revamped the living hell out of that lineup. They are adding people like crazy. I don't know if they just, they're just trying to surprise the, uh, the NL Central. And score more runs than everyone. Their their pitching staff is still very suspect, but Joey Votto. Um, I mean, I'm all over it. You want to talk about Matt Carpenter getting a discount at 69 where he's going? Joey Votto at 73, just a couple of spots before Jesus Aguilar. Give me all the Votto, all of it. I I can't do it. the The issue for me is that his ISO, all of his power numbers were basically down, but his bat hip was still 333. His hard hit percentage was still. Um, was actually pretty high, 41% um, in terms of Joey Votto. Um, I just, there's there's flags for me, and I just, I think he's losing part of who Joey Votto, Votto was before. And in, in that, I mean, the past three seasons, he had 29, 29, 29, 36 home runs, 95, or uh, sorry, uh, 80, 97, 100 RBIs. So I just... Yes, the the red flag exists on the home runs and RBIs, but for me, it's the power versus his actual like hitting numbers. So hitting three thirty three a bat pit, but his ISO's one thirty five, that scares me a little bit. Well, let's say I see a bat, a bat is possible here. 
Yes. Who would you take? Who would you take instead of Joey Votto? Who would you take over Joey Votto? Who's going behind him? Ooh, that's a good one. I know you like Matt Olson, so I don't know if you'll do that bet. I'll do that bet. All right, I'll do Matt Olson. And I love Matt. I love Matt Olson. All right. Well, so what? What is the terms of the bet? Um, we'll have to come up with something. For now, right. we'll just call it common um, sense. <laughs> Who's better? Oh, really? Sense? You're just gonna start throwing stuff. <laughs> No, I mean, like, who was better? Common sense, like, we'll have to agree who was better. We'll oh, okay. come up with yeah. ter- we'll yeah, come up right. with actual terms, but for now, okay. we'll call it a common sense bet. Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. Good to me. Loser falls on their sword. All right, Joey literal, literal sword. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna buy a sword. We're gonna carry ourselves on the air. <laughs> um, that sounded really bad. All right, next guy up, Jesus Aguilar. He's going seventy-eight in NFBC. That is five after. Uh, Votto and about 10 after Carpenter. You are getting a very big discount on this guy if you're just looking at what you got. Umbel, you know, breakout year, um, you know, fourth among first basemen in the runs created plus, fourth in Woba, second in isolated power, 264, 44% hard contact rate. And you can look at his home run to fly ball rate and look at 23.8% and think that's a red flag. Not for Aguilar, I don't think, because in um, in his time in the majors when he didn't have full-time at-bats, he still carried a 22.5 in like 2017. So he's just he's just one of those guys that just has a higher high – he just rolls with a higher home run to fly ball like J.D. Martinez. So he's going to probably be able to sustain that. The big question here is do you think he was a one-hit wonder? What do you think? Yeah, I mean that's – it's scary. I But I, I guess for me he showed it across – two seasons now his uh weighted runs created plus jumped a little bit his woba jumped a little bit but it's not like he went from uh 113 to 134 and uh weighted runs created plus he went from a 351 woba to a 374 so he's not like it's like this abnormal number jump mm-hmm. so and and i i mean i think that's a pretty good lineup too um he actually very, had very a, good, very good lineup. Yeah, uh, he he uh, hit his bat pip was actually down too from uh, 2017. So it, I I think this is more a case of he just found himself in a good lineup, got regular at bats, and took advantage of it. And this is an older breakout. Yeah, I I love him. Um, I mean, he said the home run to five ball ratio was is is completely sustainable. Um, he had full time at bats in 2018. Usually, when a weird guy, an older player, that gets full time at bats, uh, people say he'll get exposed. You know, he'll play every day. People find his weakness. He will get exposed. He did not get exposed. His walk rate improved from eight percent to ten point two percent. His improved his K percentage. It was at thirty two or thirty point two. Went down to twenty five point three. ISO jumped from 240 to 264. And his BABIP came down to league average in 2018 as well. Still did better. So, you know, at first glance, he looks like he was a solid player in limited playing time in 2017, and he improved when given the chance for everyday bats. Um, but if you take a closer look, also, he improved his ground ball rate. He was at uh, uh, he was at 41%. Now he's at 35.4. He started taking the ball to opposite field more. Uh, he improved his contact percentage. He improved his swinging strike percentage. I mean, this guy just got better on the field. I mean, just people need to be on the field, on the job learning, and he's one of those guys. There's not a ton to dislike here. Um, you're getting a blind discount from people who just don't respect his name. 
meaning he is not a star. Therefore, he must not be good. He is pretty good. He's in a very good lineup, which has improved in the offseason. Um, and I mean, right around 78. I mean, if you, you know, miss out on Paul Goldschmidt, Freddie Freeman, I mean, again, I'm not taking. I'm not taking, like I said, you're fine with that. I'm not taking Anthony Rizzo at 35. I'm not taking Matt Carpenter at 69. Uh, but Jose, Jesus Aguilar at 78, I mean, if he fall, even if he falls at all, I mean, he could be a steal because I think you're getting out of him what you're getting out of him. He's uh, basically Freddie, you know, Freddie Freeman light <laughs> of sorts. He's just boring. He's just going to give you those stats. Um, I actually, he's very similar to the guy we're going to talk to next, I think, Jose Abreu. Well, hold on. I'm going to throw a name out there for Jesus. Yeah. And and this is going to be a little bit controversial, but David Ortiz. Uh, how so? I, I think I think just more in the late breakout. Um, David Ortiz didn't have his breakout really until 27. And on his second team, mind you, going from uh, Minnesota to Boston. Oh, yeah. Late break. I mean, he's playing uh, Jose Batista. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there. Yeah. No. There's plenty of but, guys. Yeah. But I would say that he's got the body type of David Ortiz. <laughs> no. No. I mean, if you're talking late breakout, like there's plenty. Yeah, there's definitely plenty of people. If you're trying to run, just you're trying to wipe away the 29 year old one hit wonder. Yeah. There's no reason why he can't be legit. And I. I mean, I can't see a reason why he's not. So I mean, I'm. I'd be happy to to take him. So I oh, mean. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Jesus Aguilar. Don't run away from him. Um, there's no reason to grab for him though. I mean, if he if he falls uh, and he right in line with you and you need a first baseman, don't shy away. I'd grab him. He's good. But I do think he ends the second tier of what we could call people with uh, what do we call it stars with a ceiling, right? Uh, these guys have the ability to outperform their ADP, so to speak. Now we're getting into a couple more interesting people, but there's some risk involved. Uh, starting right with Jose Abreu. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure what the heck happened last year. Um, he batted 265 in 2018, down from 304, 293, 290 the previous three seasons. Um, his K percentage was up. His isolated power was way down. But nothing else in his batted profile really stands out as a cause. Um, his plate discipline didn't really change as far as chasing or anything from previous career marks, at least. I mean, things change from year to year, but as far as, far as things he's done in the past, I mean, so, you know, so what's up? You know, he he had uh, he was not very healthy last season. He battled a groin injury. He had a thigh infection that ended up ending his season. So, I mean, do you blame the injuries? I mean, it's hard to blame the injuries, but it's also hard not to. I mean, before 2018, he had four straight years when he had at least 25 home runs, 100 RBIs. Three of those seasons, he had over 30 home runs. So, I mean, I want to give Abreu the benefit of the doubt here, but when he's surrounded like by people like Jesus Aguilar and Matt Olson, I tend to shy away a little bit. I mean, I'm not, I'm not running away from Abreu, but I'm definitely not targeting him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, his bat hip was down a little bit, um, so he might have gotten an unlucky, a little bit unlucky there, but. Yeah, he's <clears throat> that. That's gonna be. I mean, he's still, mind you, he's still put up 22 home runs and 78 RBIs in 128 games. So he was still productive. Yeah, just. I mean, not, he's fine. Oh yeah, just not not the production that we were used to in his first four seasons. I I tend to think it's an anomaly, but it's definitely a question mark. It's definitely you're taking a risk, and like you said, with the guys that surround him. 
probably worth going safer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, personally, I would rather um, right before him pull like eight, eight or nine picks ahead of him. I'd rather take Aguilar or a guy we're going to talk into very shortly. Matt Olson is going almost 20 picks later. Um, so, I mean, if you're going to go with risk, I'd risk it later in the draft. I'm just not sure what the deal is with Abreu. He's not on a very good team. They're probably not going to be signing Machado. I mean, what a, who, who knows what they'll end up doing, but I don't know. I mean, the one thing they have is they did sign um, in, in probably an attempt to get Machado. They did get Yonder Alonso off Cleveland. They're going to play him at first base a bit. So it'll give a brave time at DH, which will keep him fresh to a degree. But Jose Brave, nothing to get excited about. Not a guy I'm really targeting. Um, he's probably, I think, a little lower in the ADP than he should be. Or some other guys are too high. So, you know, that's our case for him. One other guy that we're sliding into the rankings here is Daniel Murphy. He's not a first baseman yet, but he's probably going to be, I think. Um, I mean, I don't know what Colorado's definite plan is as far as like what they're doing with Desmond and, you know, and uh, what they're doing to second base. So, I mean, Daniel Murphy, you know, last year he had to deal with that knee injury, which was a nightmare for fantasy owners. The recovery took forever um, and it ruined almost entire first half. But he did hit 315 with 11 homers and 30 RBIs in the second half. Um, so, you know, he kind of looked more like Murphy to end the year. But the basic, the bottom line here is with Murphy, he's a 300 hitter and he's moved to Coors Field. Are you excited about that? I don't know, because I think the rumors are that he will be a first baseman. I think they, I mean, in terms of the actual contract, I'm not. But then again... I mean, he has shown that he can rake, and if he is healthy, that lineup's going to be scary. Yeah, I mean, Murphy. I mean, I'm a you know I'm I'm a Mets fan. I will let everyone know that I've watched this guy, and then I watch him. You know, I, I watched Sandy Alderson just let him walk away, which I understand because he's a brutal fielder, and then just have monster years for the Nationals. This guy is a hitter. Um, one of my favorite quotes, he went to college in Jacksonville. He introduced himself to some scouts, and he said, you know, you say, hi, what, what's your name? They want you to introduce yourself with your name and your position. Hi, my name is Daniel Murphy, and I hit third. That's what he said. <laughs> and that's, dude, that's what this dude is. I mean, if he can stay healthy, I would expect him to hit around 320 to 325 in cores with 25 plus home runs. Uh, if you want to talk about, I mean, he's not finishing first at the position, but this is a guy who could easily settle into the top five. Um, and you're getting him down here with Jose Abreu, which again, I'm not trying to pick on Abreu, but if you want to, if you are going to be waiting this late, take a shot, you know, it's a little bit of a risk, but I, I, I take a shot on a guy like this. You know, you may want to grab a backup option later, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I really, it's, it's very interesting for Daniel Murphy. You know, wait and see what looks in spring training. We'll keep tabs on it. But, uh, yeah, if this guy's healthy, I mean, look out. This guy could lead the league in doubles. <laughs> well, and if you actually take a look at what Ian Desmond did last season, when Ew. he actually, well, I get it, but when he actually started hitting, he he ended up, I think, with the highest home run to fly ball ratio of all first basemen. He had 22 home runs, 88 RBIs. 
He only hit 236. <laughs> oh, I should say, all the course hitters do have elevated home run to five balls. Right. So you should never hold that against them because they all do. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> all right. That's enough from you. Um, <laughs> no, it's just but, a general thing for course people. But, yeah. But, for, I mean, I, I think really the reason I brought it up was when you actually get a good hitter in there that hits the ball hard and, and can hit 300 outside of Coors, just imagine what he can do in Coors. So, Know that Desmond's not a good hitter, and he hit well in terms of fan, traditional fantasy numbers. And now look at what um, Daniel Murphy can do. He's definitely work, worth a risk late, if that's what you want to go for. Yeah. I'm going to make a blasphemous statement um, to Rockies fans here. They're going to hate me for even saying this, but I, pr- I, I, I respect the hell out of the guy I'm about to say, Larry Walker. He should be in the Hall of Fame. I truly believe that. Unbelievable athlete. Just Tremendous hitter, home and on the road. Daniel Murphy is a fantastic hitter, like hitter. Like they've had guys like Cargo and they've guys like Tulo that had monster seasons. But, you know, Todd Helton was a really good hitter, didn't hit much in the power department. But Daniel Murphy, when he gets that launch angle, you know, launch angle we're talking about here, gets that going. I mean, he has it in him to produce a Larry Walker year at... Um, as far as power and batting average at Coors Field. I don't think it's going to happen, but if everything lines up for this guy, he totally has the ability to hit like 340, 350. I mean, I'm not saying he will. I said I predicted 320 to 325 with 25 home runs. But this guy completely is smart enough to take advantage of the space around him to hit 340, 350, and hit over 30 home runs. I mean, a monster season is definitely attainable if he can stay healthy. But there are obviously a lot of ifs with this guy. Oh, yeah. Don't forget Todd Helton, by the way. Oh, I did okay. say Todd Helton. I just said I don't think he had the power um, that I think Murphy's going to have the ability to create. That's why I kind of pulled um, pulled Larry Walker out more than Helton. But, yeah, Helton, right. could, Helton was a definitely a great hitter. But now just imagine that lineup if Murphy were to put up those type that type of uh, season with Nolan, Blackman, Trevor Story, and then Daniel Murphy, especially in that top five. Just that that's a crazy lineup to me. Yeah, well, they're going to need it. We'll see. I mean, Trevor Story, he had a monster year. <laughs> they obviously have a few rookies, too. I mean, yeah, it's it's an it's, it's interesting club, man. It's interesting. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Daniel Murphy. So we're both excited about him. Uh, I think, you know, where he's going in drafts, it's, it's interesting. Um, he's currently going around 79 overall. So you're you're pretty much having to take your pick between him and Aguilar. Um, it's kind of a pick your poison, <laughs> you know, whether you believe in him or not. I mean, I'm probably going to wait and uh, pick this next guy we're talking about, Matt Olson. Mm-hmm. He's going to 109. 109, you can get him. 109, Jesus Aguilar, 78, Jose Abreu, 87, Matt Olson at 109. He finished just outside of the top 10 at first base in runs created plus and WOBA for the year. In fact, he was 11th in both. But he was a second in hard contact uh, among first basemen, 47.3%. He He was actually eighth in the entire league in hard contact. This guy smoked the ball. He was sixth in average exit velocity. Um, You know, the... People are down on him like crazy right now because he had a monster rookie campaign. He had 259 with 24 home runs and 45 RBIs in 59 games. 
in his rookie year, 259 with 24 home runs and 45 RBIs in just 59 games. That's insane. Um, but he also had a 41.4 home run to fly ball ratio, which is like Ken Griffey Jr. slugfest stupid. I mean, video games. Are but you saying that's not sustainable? 41.4. I'm going to say it's probably not sustainable and no one should have thought it was. Um, but the skills are there and I was optimistic as many were for his follow-up season. So in 2018, his home run to fly ball came down to 16.1, which is probably where it's going to stick around. Maybe, you know, with it, cause he has a lot of hard contact. He could probably even elevate a little more. He ended the year batted 247 with 29 home runs and 84 RBIs in 162 games, which A, played, you know, almost every game, which is great, or every single game, which is great. Um, you know, 247, 29, 84, who's going to argue with that? Um, and plus, Olsen walked a touch more than he did, and he lowered his K rate than his rookie year. He hit 3% less ground balls, and he actually hit the ball harder than he did in 2017. In 2017, he was just insanely lucky. Um the real confidence boost for me with why I'm so high on getting Olsen uh, at 109 is ADP this year is his improved swinging strike rate um, and his improved O swing percentage, which if you don't know what that is, uh, if you go over to Fangraphs, O swing, that's just basically telling you how many swings, um, how many, how many, how many swings you take of balls outside of the strike zone. Pretty much how often are you fooled or swinging at bad balls? He actually went down from his rookie year 28.3 down to 25.1. So he actually just improved as an overall hitter. So he's a young guy and he's improving. And I mean, I think he makes strides to become a better hitter overall. He almost cracked 30 home runs. I think he's the best value in the draft, in my opinion. Uh, I think I fully agree there. And just on that theme of becoming a better hitter overall, his first versus second half, um, definitely he he got better. 332, well, but a 352, 112, WRC plus to 125. Um, his BAPIP jumped. Uh, his OPS jumped. I mean, uh, many, many, many things jumped across the board. K percentage dropped. Baseball or a base on balls percentage jumped. He, I mean, he just, he improved over the season. And I think that is something to hang your hat on going into this, uh, going into 2019. And I, I, I absolutely agree that Olsen's probably your best value at first base in this draft. Yep. Yeah, no, completely agree. Um, yeah, Matt, Matt Olsen, 109. I mean, that is, that is maybe the last guy I'm completely comfortable taking as my first baseman. There's some interesting guys after here, but he's kind of my like my cutoff, um, at least in my opinion. If I don't get, you know, Goldschmidt, Freeman, Rizzo, Bellinger, Carpenter, Votto, Aguilar, Abreu, Olsen. That is my cutoff. Is there anyone else you'd put in your group of people you'd actually be comfortable being your first baseman? I'm actually higher on Gallo than you. Um, you talk about just- Gallo? Yeah, let's talk about Gallo. All right. I mean, back-to-back 40 home run seasons. Um, he's going to bat 200. That's the only thing, you know, I mean, which, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, uh, but I, I think that's one of those things. So just to talk about that, like sometimes there's just players that you have to embrace their flaws and he's just not going to hit the ball a ton. Or, I mean, I guess not a ton, but he's not going to – get on base a lot. He's just not going to have a high average. I'm going to substitute that for 40 home runs every day of the week. 
Yeah, to, to help your point, actually, I said this in the very beginning of the show, but in 2017, 12 first basemen hit over 30 home runs in 2017. In 2018, only four did. Um, th- I mean, that's Joey Gallo. Like uh, maybe a couple of years ago, you wouldn't be as impressed with 40 home runs batting 200. Uh, you you are in in this climate. Uh, so I mean, you know, just there's not that many people hitting that many home runs. Uh, so you know, he he has a little more value though. So I mean, is there anything else that really sticks out to you why you like? I mean, obviously, if you're in a league to count strikeouts, he he obviously <laughs> takes a tip back. But we're just talking about standard leagues where there that's not an issue. But you know, that was uh, that's obviously a thing to worry about. Yeah, I mean, obviously, his isolated power is high. Uh, his slugging's high. He's he's like one of your he's your typical. He's your Adam Dunn. He's your typical power <laughs> hitter that's going to give you 35 plus home runs. I mean, he doesn't get a ton of RBIs, and that likely has to do with uh, most of his runs generated come from home runs. But when you have a specialist like that, you're taking the good with the bad. (laughs) I'm not a bad hitter. I'm a specialist. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know there was a point? I don't know if it ended that way. There was a point, at least, where he had more home runs than singles. That was I did, like, I did legit, know that. <laughs> legitimate. I will say also another thing in his defense, um, through his career, I mean, he's still young. He has improved his contact percentage and swing strike percentage incrementally year after year. Um, so he is actually becoming a little bit of a better hitter. I don't know how much is going to end up helping him in the end. Yeah. But Joey Gallo, uh, he's going right now around 107, right next to Matt Olson. So, I mean, I'll take Matt Olson. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's one of those two where – um, it really, it really depends on what kind of league you're you're playing. So we're roto fans. So Joey Gallo is very useful in roto, just because he can give you kind of a a, a head start on that home, on the home runs um, mm-hmm. part of your scoring. And and that's how I've always played is, yeah, you're going to you, you got you want some of those well-rounded players or you want a lot of those well-rounded players. But every once in a while, you need those home run guys. You need those stolen base guys. And that's basically all they do. Yeah. Um, we went back earlier where I was saying the people I was comfortable with it leads us to our next guy. I'm not saying I'd be comfortable with this guy being my first baseman because I do have some doubts about him. But here's this stat line from 2018. 263. 391, 582 slash, 35 home runs, 75 runs, 79 RBIs, three stolen bases, 16% walk rate, 27% K rate, which is a mirror image of what Jesus Aguilar put up. Jesus Aguilar, you can get a 78. You can get this guy at 109. They had the same line. It's Max Muncie of the Dodgers, who, by the way, I believe is eligible at every position there is. <laughs> I mean, he he plays everywhere. Uh, the big difference, though, between Aguilar and Muncie is Aguilar showed glimpses of this before 20, um, 2018 in small spurts where Muncie kind of came out of the blue and had this massive power. Um, you could say he played well in the minors, but 319 ISO was well above his full season minor league average. Uh, 29.4% home run to fly ball ratio is also a red flag. Although he had a 47.4 hard contact, which was no fluke. He was just killing the ball. So, you know, the question with Max Muncie is, was he a one-year wonder? I mean, you can take him late enough to gamble. 
Uh, because obviously if he, if he is just one of these guys who get, there's plenty of people that just come to the majors and they're just better. Um, it, you know, it just happens. It's like all of a sudden, you know, just the, for some reason their eye, uh, um, uh, their, their eye works better with a little more speed coming at them. I don't know what it is, but, uh, Max Muncy, what do you make of this guy? And are you willing to, uh, risk your season on him being your starting first baseman? Not with the guys around him. I mean, I, there's some guys I actually prefer um, around that area. Jerks and Profar, for one. Um, we'll talk about him. I just – it it was across the board. Like, everything got better, and it was significantly better. It wasn't like, okay, we're seeing <laughs> this slight uptick over time. It was, oh, I'm going to jump several points here. And, I mean, that includes um, – his ISO, his ISO jumped from 173 the previous season to 208. Uh, his WOBA jumped um, 20 points. His WRC Plus jumped 20 points. I just, this is one of those, I think, obvious outlier seasons to me. Like, he was never a bad, he wasn't a bad hitter before. He just was not this type of hitter. See, I, I disagree only because like because some of the numbers you were doing are more they more describe how good he was, but they they wouldn't be red. The only red flag for me really is the twenty nine point four home run to fly ball. I mean, he had a three nineteen ISO, which obviously <laughs> I do not expect, but he did have a forty seven point four hard contact. I mean, he was making hard contact, and he is a good hitter. So I'm not sure that this kind of maybe this kind of season's coming again, but I kind of do believe in him here. Uh, I think he's due for some regression, uh, definitely in the home run department. But if if you're going to tell me that uh, next year uh, he was going to hit you know 265 with let's say 27 home runs, 25 to 27 home runs, 80 RBIs, I mean I, I'd buy that. Uh, I don't think maybe he's not going to be pushing for 40 again, but I, I think pushing for around 30 is uh, might be who this guy is. Um, just from watching him and looking at the numbers, I just I think everything actually looks pretty good, other than a little bit of maybe a little fluky, um, a f- little fluky luck in the the home run to fly ball uh, department. Yeah, we'll see. I just I, I I think that's one of those things. I'd rather take a risk somewhere else. Or, or on somebody else than this than this potential. I mean, he he seems ripe for regression to me. All right, we got another bet. Right. Max, I'll take Max Muncy. You're taking Profar, I'm assuming. I'll, I'll take Jerks jer, Jerks and Profar. Jerks and Profar versus Muncy. All right, we got another one. Well, well why don't we talk about Jerks and Profar? You want to take it away? <laughs> yes, I do. So Profar, um, I think. The the penultimate thing here is that he had a full season of at-bats in 2018. Woo! Only took 50 years. <laughs> yeah, that that was always the funniest thing to me was like the dynamic of jerks and Profar versus who but was... But they, re- the- they refused to trade him though, even I though know. they had no intention of playing him. They refused to trade him. Yeah. I, <laughs> uh, goddamn Rangers. Um, And I, I think there's something to be said about a player getting comfortable and, and being able to have consistent at-bats. And I think Profar is the exhibit A here. Um, ended up with a 254 average, 20 home runs, 77 RBIs, 10 stolen bases. Uh, his ISO took a jump from uh, to 204. His uh, 
WRC plus was 108. His Woba was 341. Hard hit percentage was the best of his career at 37.3. He just, it seems like he looked more comfortable at the plate after getting 594 at bats, a consistent number of at bats. Um, And it's not, it's not like we're talking about uh, significant like red flags here, in my opinion. I mean, his home run to fly ball was 13.2, which isn't overly high. Um, His hard hit rate wasn't like through the roof. His Woba wasn't through the roof. His WRC plus wasn't through the roof. He was just a good hitter last season. I mean, I don't want to, I'm going to, I mean, I don't want to, but I'm going to, you're going to throw a little, little bit of cold, cold water onto the Profar thing, which I like Profar. I mean, he is, where is he going? He's going at 117. So, I mean, you're taking him, you're taking him um, right before Edwin Encarnacion. You're not risking a lot here. You're getting a lot of position eligibility. My guess is you're probably not going to end up getting Profar around 117. People are going to get wise to this and he'll probably jump up. That's a prediction. So you probably, if you like him, you probably have to grab him a little earlier. Um, he did finally get a full season of at-bats, and he's guaranteed another full season of at-bats being traded to the A's. But, you know, he went 20-10 and 10 for the Rangers. For, for, for me, the breakout was just kind of like, meh. Um, I mean, bad 254 with 20, 20 home runs and 10 stolen bases. Um, I mean, I'm about, I can, I can name... The, I mean, every first baseman on him behind this list, the next, like, 15 guys can hit 20 home runs. 10 stolen bases, they can't. Um, but, I mean, his WRC plus was 108, which I, you know, I mean, that's he was just a little bit better than league average. Um, he did have a 37% hard contact rate, which is well above his previous career high, though. So, I mean, there's an indicator that maybe uh, he's, he just finally got into a groove and he improved the kind of hitter he is. There's plenty to like here. Uh, the one little bit of a red flag here is he saw a pretty good increase in his O swing um, percentage. So he became he was definitely a lot more of a free swinger, a little more aggressive. So I definitely can see the appeal, but I guess in my mind there's a little bit of a more of a red flag here, where if I'm not going to wait in a draft to get him, I'm not comfortable enough, I guess, waiting in a draft just to get him. Um, I would need to maybe get him in another position. Like I think he'll probably have eligibility of first short third. Like I'd, I'd be fine grabbing him as like a maybe middle corner infielder. And in if that is in your league or maybe um, utility or another option, but for him to be my starting first baseman, I think I'd be a little concerned. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Uh, some other, some other numbers you can uh, look at or that are, look good from last season um his walk rate well actually it dropped never mind ignore that uh his k but his k rate dropped um so i just i i think he fine like i said he finally got the chance to hit and while yes he didn't have a monster breakout he had a good season um and that's i mean i guess the thing is if you're gonna pay up at other positions and wait on first, you're, you could do a lot worse than Provar, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, you can. And we're about to tell you how worse you could get. Um, that is, Profar is definitely the end of the list of people that I am confident as far as intrigue goes. There are um, there are a couple of interesting people that we'll get to, uh, prospects and the like, that have their own red flags. But um, that is kind of the end of the list of, if you've gone past this list, you could have problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
this is so part this is our tier three which i'm just gonna call oh shit as in oh shit look what's left you you're like oh i need a first baseman let me let's me let me let me sort this by first baseman oh shit um ian desmond what is a bad just like i you know these numbers like i do but what would you just say what is considered a bad ground ball rate like what do you want to say? Like you want you want it to be not you want it to be under fifty, right? Before oh, yes. you're like, oh my god, he's horrible. Ian Desmond is sixty two percent ground ball rate, and of course he capped that off with a twenty one point five soft contact rate. Just... <laughs> and any ball he got in the air, he had a twenty four point seven home run to fly ball ratio. Now I should say, for all things even, he had a twenty twenty season last year for the Rockies. Despite all those red flags, I mean, I bet you didn't know that. I mean, I mean, I know you did. We talked about this, but the listeners: yeah. twenty home runs, twenty stolen bases out of Ian Desmond in one dumpster fire of a season. So everyone was pretty fired up. I mean, I know he was a sleeper of mine going in last year. Like, oh, Desmond, they're going to put him at first. Great, he's going to get all these at bats, and it was just awful. But he ended up being still pretty valuable, and you know, they could be pretty good this year. Another good lineup, but. I mean, 62% ground ball rate, 21.5% soft contact. I mean, no thank you. I it's I read those things and anything good is erased away from me. I mean, do you have any interest in taking a shot on Ian Desmond? I'm just like, I just he's one of those guys I just delete from my queue so I don't even have to accidentally take him. Absolutely not. I will say this. I, I'm a, I, I guess, Rockies fan as well. He was one of the hardest players to watch last season. So hard to watch. Plus, I'm I'm hoping he's just going to be a fourth outfielder for the Rockies, and uh, Murphy takes over that first base position, so he's even less valuable then. <laughs> oh, they're paying Desmond a decent amount, aren't they? Yeah, that was a that was an insane contract. Just, I want to vomit. <laughs> uh, all right, here's another guy who had a, an interesting line. Uh, this guy batted. We we talked about the lack of power out of first base. If uh, everything I said before, would you take a guy hitting 246 with 32 home runs and 107 RBIs? Yes. Yeah, that's Edwin Encarnacion last year. The aging wonder who had his worst walk percentage in seven years, worst K percentage in 13 years, worst ISO in seven years, worst run created, runs created plus in seven years. I could go on. I could go on for a long time. Uh, he is down in almost every category, and how he got to 32 home runs and 170, uh, 107 RBIs is kind of beyond me. Um, but I will say that when I was talking about Joey Gallo, you can get Edwin 20 picks later, and it's possible he gets a bounce back. It's possible he gets way worse. But, I mean, he had all these career lows in almost every category that it's almost reasonable to expect that he has a little bit of a rebound or falls off a cliff. You know, could go either could go either way. But if you're maybe thinking about getting Joey Gallo at 107, you can get Edwin Encarnacion uh, about 20 picks later. Um, so, I mean, what do you think? I mean, are we seeing maybe he, a change of scenery bounce back or a slow descent into a black hole? What do you think? I I have to think it's a slow descent into a black hole. He's just he's getting old. <laughs> but I mean, he that's what I think he's one of those that maybe if you're looking for some home run help, you might just take a chance on him and be like, well, he can be my backup. And if I need home run help, well, 
we'll put them in there. But I just, I can't, I can't take the chance. I can't do it. Oh, that's so bad. <laughs> but then again, I said that about Joey Votto. So who knows? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and plus all these things we were saying, it really, really depends on your league. I mean, if there's certain things that, you know, you sometimes that you just have to, I mean, in certain leagues where you only have like a first baseman and you don't have no corner outfield, obviously you're never considering any of these guys, you know, um, but you know, it's all depends on your league, but in general, Encarnacion, there's nothing that suggests he's going to get better other than the fact that he's never been this bad. So, you know, yeah. that's there's that. And we're moving on to some interesting guys here. We're going to talk. Here's a group. There's a whole group here we're going to talk about. Miguel Cabrera, Yuli Scurriel, Luke Voigt, Carlos Santana, um, Justin Smoke, Tyler White, and Martinez. Jose Martinez. Yeah, Jose Martinez, um, who's you know has his own issues with playing time now. Uh, starting with Cabrera. I mean, I wrote this before the start of last year to avoid him like the plague. He was coming off injury. Um, he just looks like he was never going to be healthy again. It was just a matter of when he was going to go on the disabled list again. He went on the disabled list, and you know he was done for the season shortly after. He was hitting 299, so there's plenty of people who are going to try to find a silver lining. He was hitting 299. He was hitting all singles, folks. He had no power in his bat. I mean, I watched him. I love Miguel Cabrera. He is a Hall of Famer. But, I mean, we'll have to take a look at him in spring training. But there is I – have, I haven't seen anything to like out of him in quite a long time. Three I mean, home it's sad runs. Just, Three home runs. Oh, yeah. Th- I, mean, I mean, I didn't mean literally all singles. His ISO was like 149. Yeah, three no, home no, no, runs. No, no, I know. He had three home runs. That's what yes. I'm oh, Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really considering him. I mean – he had a 128 runs created plus was actually still pretty good, but you know, he is Miguel Cabrera. I am going to want to, I I don't want to say I'm writing him off completely. I want to see what it looks like in spring training, how he's feeling, how he's looking. But in general, um, I just don't see me drafting him in any leagues just cause there's other people. I'd probably much, I just much rather avoid the headache. Um, I mean, anything to add on Miguel Cabrera? No, I mean, I think he's, He's like a worse Encarnacion, basically at this point. Like he ha- he just he's injured, he's old, and he's just not putting up any numbers. It's funny. It's like the hit tool is there. Like he still has the ability. He has the eye. It's just these injuries have like almost robbed him of his yeah. power. Um, it's just that's why it's kind of sad. Um, I mean, I love I'd love nothing more than to be wrong on this though, folks. I mean, nothing more. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I mean, he he definitely can still – like, he's still smart and he knows how to hit. It's just a matter of his body will allow him to. Um, speaking of guys who can't home runs, uh, Gurriel. Um, he's going to be playing all the time for the, uh, for the Astros in theory. You know, I know they let a lot of people go. I'm much more probably interested in Tyler White on that same team. Um the only thing going for Gurriel last year is that he did have a 7.6 home run to fly ball ratio, which is probably due for a little bit of a rebound. But, you know, he had 291 with 13 home runs and 85 RBIs for the Astros in 573 plate appearances. Um, he kind of did so in a little bit of an empty fashion, though, across the board. 323 Woba and a 107 uh, runs created plus. So... I mean, he's just kind of, he's just kind of average. 
Um, if you need a guy, if you're in a deep league, he's a good target to go late. I wouldn't expect anything as far as upside from him. Um, I think that's just, I think that's just kind of what you're going to get. Maybe, you know, I mean, he's just, you know, boring and not a whole lot of power. Uh, there's definitely more interesting guys here like Tyler white, for example, on his own team hit 287 with 10 home runs and 39 RBIs in just 50 games in the second half last season. Uh, 264 ISO, 381 Woba, 147 runs created plus. I mean, I love Tyler Waite because he mashed the ball at AAA and his major league numbers kind of line up with what he did there. So there's nothing There's nothing more than, you know, assuming an adjustment period is coming than to really, you know, assume Tyler Waite can't kind of keep this up. It's a small sample size. But I mean, but Tyler White's being drafted after, you know, Ian Desmond, um... Eric Hosmer, Yuli Gurriel, Luke Voigt, Carlos Santana, Jose Martinez, Trey Mancini, Marwin Gonzalez, Justin Smoke, Jake Bowers. You can get Tyler White after all those guys. So again, if you want to make a gamble, I would do it with a guy like Tyler White rather than spend an early pick on Miguel Cabrera or like uh, Gurriel. I mean, what do you think along those guys? No, yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, I we're at a point now where if you're actually taking a chance, take a chance on a guy with a lot more upside. Yep. Um, I'm not going to even get into too much of Luke Voigt. People like him. Uh, Martinez, he is such a good hitter, but he has no – I mean, can you really go there? I mean, he, is he, the has, worst, he has no at the bats, worst, right? Well, he's got the worst – he arguably might be the worst – Fielding first baseman in the league. Yeah, I'm so, I'm shocked they didn't trade him. To be honest, I thought when that went down, I thought he'd be out the door. Uh, yeah, I did too. I really that wish they would have because I think a an AL club could take advantage of a bat like Jose Martinez. Yeah. Um, so I mean, we'll revisit that if any at bats wake up. But for right now, I mean, he's just he's just a backup, really. There's nowhere else he can go. Nope. Um, you know, Justin Smoke, uh, 121 runs created plus fifth and ISO at 216. He, you know, you can do worse if you are end of the end of the road looking for uh, looking for a uh, just a guy to put in your corner infield or a utility spot. But uh, the 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 one the interesting guy left for me is Peter Alonso. Obviously a Mets fan, but uh, he's not a secret at this point. He is the best first base prospect in baseball. Uh, 36 home runs between AA and AAA in 2018. Um, the power is very real. The power is real. I would comp him to Reese Hoskins, personally. I mean, that's the kind of mashing power this guy has. Um, his batting average, you know, if he comes up, the batting average is, is probably going to be something that you're going to have to live with a little bit of hurt for a while while he adjusts to major league pitching. The interesting thing here is the Mets man, uh, Mets GM, Brody Van Wagenen, has stated on actually a few occasions publicly that he sees Alonzo as the starting first baseman. The day he signed on to be the general manager, he flew out to Las Vegas to meet with Peter Alonzo as his first thing. He sees this guy as the um, future of the club. Since then, he's acquired Robinson Cano, J.D. Davis, Jed Lowry. Between those new players, Ahmed Rosario at short and Todd Frazier, that kind of leaves a question mark on the infield configuration. Now, one would think that Alonzo, if he mashes the way he mashes, others are going to sit, like Todd Frazier. If they don't trade him, I mean, he's going to have to take a seat. But in redraft leagues, it's just something you got to think about as far as 
how much you want to invest on draft day. I mean, he's going to at minimum, I think, get the Acuna Super Two treatment at a, you know at, at minimum. But if you can afford the roster space, he's easily the best first base prospect, and he is a guy where you know if you just want to risk versus reward, you grab this guy. Where is he uh, right now? He is going. He's going two fifty four in NFBC. Wow. I mean, two fifty four. You can get him one hundred picks almost after, uh, or you can get him. You can get him like we have one hundred picks after Edwin Encarnacion and Miguel Cabrera. One hundred picks. You know, throw this guy on your bench. You can have a guy that uh, could potentially, you know, I don't know, hit maybe hit two forty and uh, hit thirty bombs for you in his very rookie year. He could do better than that. But I mean, like I said the power is legitimate. I don't know how much you know about uh, Pierre Alonso. Um, I really am into the, you know the prospects when we start talking about him. But oh, yeah. uh, he's definitely an exciting guy. Um, exciting guy. Yeah. Only only flags that I really can see are his uh, walk percentage drops and his strikeout percentage jumped in triple a but i mean even then his iso in triple a was humongous his woba has been humongous his entire career in the minors his uh uh runs created plus his weighted runs created plus has been huge it dropped a little bit in triple a but still 139 which is very good um and and i think the expectation really from you is that He's probably going to be more of a home run hitter, like mid 200 average, but you're going to get a lot of home runs, a lot of RBIs from him. Yeah, I could see him developing into a better hitter. I'm talking realistically out of the gate. Yeah, you're not yeah. going to be seeing anything north of 250, I would think. Right. Uh, but um, yeah, he's, as far as 2018, though, I mean, I'd have every, com- or 2019, I'd have every confidence in trying to roster him. Obviously, uh, if your, your drafts are closer to opening day, you'll get a much better idea of what that will look like. But, um, yeah, I mean, after that, you know, the, you have a couple of big guys that we haven't talked about yet. Marwin Gonzalez, you know, the jack of all trades there. Uh, CJ Crone, um, Josh Bell, who I actually do want to talk about a little bit. Josh Bell, uh, he had a very good um, rookie year with a little bit of a unsustainable um, home run to fly ball. He had a down year last year, which he only had a 9.2 home run to fly ball. He has... The hit, the hit tool is there. He is a good hitter, um, but you know he and he's also due for a little bit of a bounce back. So if you're sitting at the end of your draft and you're sitting between all those guys, I I really do like uh, Josh Bell to take another step forward this year. I know some people are in love with Bowers um, and O'Hearn, but uh, you know Bell is my guy towards the end of the draft. What amongst this group at the very end um, would you take a take a flyer on, like Alonzo aside? I think, I think I agree with you on Bell. Um, we could always say Eric Hosmer just for that, to the the every other year stuff. But we'll talk about Eric Hosmer here in a second. Eric Hosmer gets his own tier, folks. Yeah. Um, yeah I my concern with Bell is that we actually did see, we've already seen the outlier season in 2017, because um, 2016. His home run to fly ball ratio was 9.4. 2018, it was 9.2. So that's my concern is maybe that power that we saw in 2017, maybe that just isn't there. And, yep. and, and that was the that was the um, outlier. But, yeah, I mean, if, if I'm taking a chance, don't like Belt, don't like O'Hearn, um, 
Because, I mean, first and foremost, Belt's probably given up uh, some at-bats to um, Buster Posey as he goes over to first. But, um, yeah, I think... Yeah, I think I think Belt might be getting some at-bats in the... Um in the uh, the actual outfield. Oh, well. But I mean, yeah, I, regardless, I don't like him as a hitter as, at all. But yeah, I it, if if this is if these are the guys you're looking at, I I don't mind CJ Crone um either. He's kind of just like a ma player, but he will be productive. <laughs> I just I, I I do want to talk about Ryan O'Hearn a little bit. He's interesting. In 44 games for the Royals last year, um after after um, doing fairly well in AAA, I mean his his batting average is always is is always fairly low. He came up and hit 262 with 12 home runs and 30 RBIs in just 44 games. Um, he's going to strike out quite a bit, but um, you know 153 runs created plus 390 woba. I mean th- this guy actually smashed the ball. Th- he's going to be able to get some at bats. Um, you know his defense is obviously to be a little bit to be desired, but uh, you look at his his um, his batted ball profile. This guy has forty two point three percent hard contact, forty five point two percent medium contact, only twelve point five percent soft contact. No ball gets quarter. This guy punishes every ball he sees, um, and he's he brought his uh, ground ball rate down to thirty four point six percent, which it stood around. Anywhere between forty-four and fifty percent in the minors. So, um, you know, if end of round fly, as far as end of round flyers go, I mean, O'Hearn's an interesting guy. I could definitely see him being a big old zero. Like he gets full time at bats, he ends up batting two twenty. They option him to the minors. That's always in the cards. But we're talking end game here. Ryan O'Hearn deserves your attention. Like rather than again. Oh, I need another first baseman real bad. I'm gonna take uh, Eric Hosmer. Don't do it. Um, you know, we're giving you some other options here, folks. Which you know, why don't we just get it right in there? Part four: Avoid like the plague. This is a special tier, and the only guy in it is Eric Hosmer. I don't know. I'm I'm avoiding Ian Desmond like the plague, mind you. So, <laughs> hey, at least at least he brings home runs and stolen bases and the surroundings of Coors Field with yeah, him. Right. He brings presence to the ship party. Yeah, right. Eric Hosmer brings nothing but sadness and singles. Sixty point four percent ground ball rate, twenty three point five percent soft contact rate. That would be the worst, folks. The worst. You can't get worse because Eric Hosmer is the worst. You want to tell us about the myth of the uh, the whatever every other leap year crap with Eric Hosmer? <laughs> well, I know I that's mean, a thing. Not, it is. Look, look it's, it's from uh, from what year was that? And then he started 2011 through 2018. This is his. Uh, I'll, I'll just go off of WAR real quick. Quick. Uh, so he had a one point oh WAR and then minus one point four, and then three point one. And then minus 0.2, and then 3.5, and then 0.2, and then 4.1, and then minus 0.1. <laughs> it's a roller coaster. It is a roller coaster. And, and, it, and you see it across the board, like in literally every year, you see all of his numbers do that, like up and down. But I, I, I think really most of this is he moved to arguably the best pitcher's park in the league in Petco. And 
he's not like this overly powerful hitter. And now you have just some terrible stuff. Just some yep. terrible stuff. I mean, I know we were, I mean, you know, we put him in his own, we put him in his own tier, avoid like the plague. He is going right now in NFPC around 170, which is still after Edwin Encarnacion, Ian Desmond, and Miguel Cabrera. I would take him in front of Miguel Cabrera and Edwin Encarnacion, but I'm not taking any of them. So it's not quite as bad as I am saying it is, but I would take, um, instead of Eric Hosmer, I definitely would rather just take a flyer on Tyler White, Peter Alonzo, um, guys like that. I mean, if you're waiting on Eric Hosmer to actually be your starting first baseman, you are in dear, dear trouble. Um, but he is going late enough where it's not maybe as horrible as we're making it seem. Right. And and honestly, these numbers aren't like that far off from his career numbers if you really look at them. His ground ball rate was a little elevated, but even in the last two seasons uh, with the Royals, he had a 58.9% and a 55.6%. Um, his soft contact rate was 21.8 last season. He's, I mean, he's pretty elevated, 18% plus, and his hard contact percentage has never been great. Hosmer just seems to get lucky every other season. It's angels in the outfield. People are just like kicking balls around where they don't belong. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which, right. by the way, every other season he has an abnormally high BABIP. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's literally every one of those three, three, 336, 301. 351, 302. It's circus-like. Uh. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, to recap, everybody, these are Sam and I's favorites for the first base tier. I'll go first. I love Paul Goldschmidt. He's going as the first first baseman. He should be going as for the first baseman. Um, I'm going to try to get him on my team. And after that, I'm probably skipping Freeman, Rizzo, Bellinger, and Hoskins unless they fall, meaning I'm never going to take them probably right where they would be unless I don't like anyone else around them or um, I'm not, and I'm not going to be reaching for them. But if they fall a couple spots, I'm – perfectly fine taking all those four uh what do you think about that top group about who you would actually feel comfortable taking i think um goldschmidt definitely freeman being right there i don't love um i'm okay with taking rizzo i think he's probably you're looking at maybe a couple rounds behind goldschmidt and for the production that you're seeing i'm actually okay with rizzo um he where's hoskins is being taken uh i think 10 spots later uh, let me look. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, he's being taken uh, right now. Rizzo's being taken around yeah. 35. Bellinger, 10 spots later. Um, I, I just, I'm not in love with Bellinger. I do like Hoskins. but yeah, Hoskins is right around 40, right yeah. in between the two. I, I, I'd be okay with taking Rizzo, and then I'm probably not, I'm probably not looking at Hoskins or Bellinger if the top three are gone at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of get behind. I mean, like, I, I take Goldschmidt. If someone just took Goldschmidt in front of me, I'm not taking Freeman. I'm almost like, oh, are you kidding me? I just, I'm too mad to take Freeman. But yeah, around 35, I can see taking Rizzo. And then unless they fall, yeah, I'm probably not taking Bellinger or Hoskins unless they kind of fall to me because there's so much good talent around that area and other places. Because it's around 45, when you get all the way up to 73, 78, 
Uh, that's where uh, Joey Votto and Jesus Aguilar are. Uh, I would love Votto to drop. I don't mind taking Aguilar where he is around there. But, uh, yeah, rather than take Bellinger and Hoskins, I'd rather just, you know, sit around yeah. for another 40 picks and take Aguilar. Yeah, I completely agree. And if he doesn't fall to me, I'm very happy to wait another um, wait another uh, 20 to 30 picks and take Matt Olson. Um, and that's that's kind of where I'm going to live. That's that's my kind of three-tier there. I'm either get, getting Goldschmidt, having Bellinger or Hoskins fall to me, or I'm just going to try to uh, line up the draft where I get Aguilar or Olsen. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think I'm Goldschmidt. I'm okay with Rizzo there. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm actually probably, again, waiting. I, I might even skip over Aguilar and just – uh, go to Olsen and maybe Profar around that same uh, area too. I did say Muncie will be on my list too. I would love to see where he ends up going. I think ADPs are obviously going to shift quite a bit. He's a very interesting guy. Um, if his, his value slips, my mock calculations, I definitely would love to take a flyer on him. And I do love Profar's position eligibility. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting group. It's definitely not quite as as deep as everyone thinks, if you play with like a corner infield uh, or deep benches, it, it's going to get really weak real fast. If you want no questions mark, uh, no question marks, there's only a couple guys you can take. Other than that, you're taking a gamble pretty much everywhere. Yeah, it's and and really even at the top, it's it the top three are good, but they're not like these gigantic producers because even even in their ADP, you're looking at the early 20s for Goldschmidt and Freddie Freeman. So there's definitely a lot more value at other positions at the top of this draft. Yep. And um, just one thing to hit on, if you're in points leagues, obviously the top three guys, Goldschmidt, Freeman, and Rizzo, are all very valuable regardless. Uh, Joey Votto takes a giant jump up uh, in points leagues due to his walks. Uh, One person that we didn't talk about at all, he's back in Cleveland, is Carlos Santana. Um if you are in points leagues like usual, you know, he gets a jump up because he does get on base. He loves to take walks. So I do want to mention him. If you are in points leagues, Carlos Santana is a guy that you need to keep on your radar. As far as roto specialists, there's not that many people who are going to be stealing bases. Paul Goldschmidt, that used to be the thing that made him stood out, and that's why he was first-round pick. He doesn't really have that um standout ability anymore but he still adds enough stolen bases to make it worth your while uh cody bellinger still also um adds those stolen bases so um you know in roto uh you gotta pay for stolen bases and rather than have to take a guy like you know billy hamilton or overreach for mondesi uh to get some stolen bases you know it's it's a it's a nice thing to land goldschmidt or bellinger um in those formats where you can kind of get some, um, some stolen bases baked into your baked into a, you know, a position that doesn't really normally have them get yourself a little bit of, you know, extra production. Same thing with like Ian Desmond, but you know, eh, Ugh, God, no, don't <laughs> do, do not draft. Ian Desmond's going to hit the triple crown this year. And you I'm going to play that. Yeah. You just know that. <laughs> The triple crown. What's the opposite of the triple crown? I don't know. The it's kind of almost like the golden sombrero, but like horrible. Oh wait, more horrible. More, more horrible. All right. 
All right, first base. That pretty much locks up first base. We've named everyone that you could possibly want to talk about at first base. I mean, unless you want us to really get into Justin Bohr or Albert Pujols. Um, you know, don't, don't you <laughs> don't you dare talk bad about my poo holes. <laughs> I don't know if you're joking in a good way or a very bad way right there. Well, he's, gonna, he's my he's my favorite all time player. But yes, I do know that he's not good right now. OK. All right. Uh, yeah, that about wraps up the show. Uh, we obviously ran a little later than we did our first show. There's a lot of first basements to cover here. Um we're going to get into our positional breakdown. We're going to finish next uh, next week. We're going to get right into second baseman, which is a, a very, very interesting, uh, a very interesting group of people as well. Uh, let us know what you thought of the show uh, at the uh, turn Two podcast on Twitter at turn Two podcast. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Williams, just with a seven swapped in for the, uh, for the L's M A T T W I seven, seven I A M S. Where can they find you again, Sam? FF stompy. I don't need to spell that out. <laughs> FF stompy. All right. Yeah. Let us know what you like, what you didn't like, what you want to hear about, who you want to talk about for second baseman, what you thought of our thoughts of the first baseman. So without th- further ado, we are out of here. Bye. I love you. We love you. Cause I wanna win first. How am I to put all of these numbers to words? I know the terms from A to Z. It's like a gift and a curse. I know the difference between a splitter and a curve. But if I can't put it into points, man, then what's it worth? I need the truth. I need knowledge. Found this podcast with all of it, but what they call it? Turn two. Turn two. What it do? Win leagues. Catch out. Catch out. Peace. 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 Two guys. You lolly the ball around the enemy. You lolly gag your way down to first. You lolly gag in and out of the dugout. Do you know what that makes you? Larry? Lolly gag. Lolly gag.